Jason. Today's episode of the Lee's Summit Town Hall podcast is brought to the good people, my budget blinds of Lee's Summit. Budget blinds! Look, I know this is our second trip back in the studio since the, the end of times. Uh-huh. It still felt good for you to yell budget blinds in studio, didn't it? It did. It's 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 very satisfactory to yell it at you. I mean, honestly, it's very happy to make just to yell at you, but also specifically to yell those two words to support our good friends and the the robot shade overlords of the signature series shades. I have the hardest time saying those three words together, by the way. But the signature series shades at budget blinds. Look, they are uh, the greatest people. And they offer the greatest service when you are ready to upgrade your home with the perfect shades and home decor. And you can do it right now by going to see our friends at Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Tell them Jason Nixon. Hello again and welcome to Lee Summit Town Hall, a weekly podcast about what you can do to make a difference. I am Jason Norbury and as always, I am joined by a man who swears this podcast will be done in under 10 hours. It is Nick Parker, the publisher of Link to Lee Summit. Look, I might make it. I might make it, but it might be nine and a half. I'm, I'm just saying, well, look, if, if, we, if we added on all the time we spent bantering around back and forth and talking about the show and not about the show like before and after, we, sometimes we might be close to that 10 <laughs> hour time limit. But, but we're not as good. As the R7 School District. Not as good as, and, and we will not be releasing any uh, hardcore history length six hour podcasts anytime soon. So, however, we will be leaving the recording of this show up past the actual time of the show. There, there we go. All right. Link to Lease Summit is the source for all the news you need about our very fine city. And our unofficial sponsor today is the rain, insofar as I would like it to please go away for the weekend. Look, I have a, I have a theory. It should only rain when I'm sleeping. It's, I love that theory, and I got most of that theory, actually, for my few days down at uh, scout camp with my daughter. Um, it rained mostly like overnight and then a little bit into the morning, and then by like 10 or 11, the rain dried up. I mean, it's still, you know, humid midsummer Missouri weather, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't raining, and, and it was good. That, that was all right, and I don't mind the rain, but I'm thinking of you, Nick, because you have a traditional family gathering over the 4th of July weekend, and I want you to be able to enjoy the great outdoors even like at maximum capacity by not being rained on while you are attempting to be outside. That is my goal. Look, beginning Friday, I plan to spend four consecutive days just floating in the water. I mean, I, I, look, I, I, can't, I, I, I can't find any fault. There this. might be a round or two of golf somewhere during the weekend, mm-hmm. but that's about the top amount of energy that I plan to put forth into the world. That seems fair. I, can't, I find no fault with your plan really at all. I get to have a a brief interlude of the whole household together again for a few days over the holiday, so that's nice. Um, I hope you all are doing something fun, safe, and within the bounds of our local jurisdictional laws so that you don't find yourself in trouble with our our fine folks at the LSPD or any of the other uh, local folks who get mad at you for setting off the wrong fireworks or doing anything else that you shouldn't be doing. Buy your fireworks from a licensed place. Shoot them off during the permitted times within our city limits and get your permit there from either the tent where you buy them, City Hall, or from the internet. Let's do it right. Let's not have anybody hurt this year, and let's have a lot of fun. Jason, we, uh, as we often do, we not so subtly hinted in our intro about the topic of this you didn't this get week's it? episode. It, that, you, that didn't slip past you, the subtlety of my uh, reference? Well, you know, I know you try, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put this out there. 
You're not very good at the subtle. No, actually, I'm, I'm very well aware of that, <laughs> that I'm not good at the subtle. So look, there really has been, you know, one main topic of conversation in and around the community the last few weeks, and that that is the, the public hearing that last, was last week for a for now terminated teacher, Joe Oswald, from the Lee Summit R7 School District. And because of the, we're going to do a quick recap, because of Missouri's Tenured Teacher Act, a tenured teacher, when they are terminated, they can request a public hearing before the school board. And so we did that last week. You can head over to linktoleesummit.com and see a nice report and wrap up kind of the details of what happened during that public hearing. And now we wait. The Board of Education has until July 13th to hold another session. This will be a closed session to make their decision. And the decision is this, Jason. Does the board uphold the termination made by Dr. David Buck, the superintendent, and his administration? Or do they do they reinstate the teacher? And that's it. They have 72 hours after after that meeting to then announce to the public what the decision is. Here's the thing, Jason. It's a closed session. We will likely never know the vote. So what the vote was, as far as numbers, or who voted which way or the other. We will only know basically a thumbs up or thumbs down. Right. So I'm assuming that uh, Ryan Murdoch will come out in the uh – the uh, Roman emperor thing from like the movie gladiator and hold us thumb out <laughs> level and just turn it up or down at the end of there. And, uh, and away it goes. And I'm not sure who he's going to aim that at like thumbs up or thumb down. Cause is that to the superintendent? Is that to the teacher? <laughs> who knows? It'll well, be still vague. And, and not to make too much light. This is, this is a, a this is a, a serious conversation all among the community. But Jason, what, what I really want to do is I want to kind of go past that a little bit because I feel like a lot of the community conversation has, as often happens, swayed to the side a little bit and picked up kind of segments of other bigger, broader conversations and trying to make this one incident about several other ideological debates and political debates. And I think what we do and what we like to do on this show is, A, talk about the process and and B, kind of dig in a little more on these these issues and and look at, well, what are we really talking about or what should we be really talking about? And invite people to join on that. Let's start first with the process, Jason. Okay. This is your favorite part. This is what we do. This is literally <laughs> what we do. We talk all the time about uh, about process and, and look, this what's happening and what has happened is exactly what should happen. The way the system was designed – the superintendent and his administration make a decision, and because of that, as I as I said earlier, because of that Tenure Teacher Act, it goes to a public hearing, and the school board then decides whether or not to uphold that decision. That's it, right? And that's now, the process as it was designed to happen. Now, now you can debate, you know, whether you support the administration's decision, whether you support, you know, the teacher, and you think he sh- he should be reinstated into that job. That is. Fine, but as far as the process goes, this is what should happen. Right. This is the thing that is like we're built in to do and, and is happening and, and the teacher is getting – I mean, and to be clear, you know, the teacher has far more process rights here because of the nature of their job and the collective bargaining agreement and the state law than like you or I would have at most other – any other job in the process. If, if we said a word that the boss at, our, at a normal job said we shouldn't say, we can get fired just well, like that. And let's be fair you know, 98% of jobs in the state of Missouri, right? they don't need a reason. Right, they don't need a reason. It's an at-will thing, so they can just do the thing. So just keep it, that, that's one part of this process. Second, I think there's some stuff in there that wasn't clear. So I think it became clear from 
Dr. Buck's testimony that he is essentially drawing a bright line here in this case. You don't say that word in the presence of a student, full stop. That's kind of the standard I think that he has taken into this thing. Now, and, and it's clear that termination is one of the possible outcomes of like one of the decisions that the superintendent he, has. As, in his testimony, as he said, you know, his interpretation of the policy, mm-hmm. basically, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said. His testimony was this is not a direct quote, but basically, what he what he seemed to be saying was there was a range of options for him to choose, as far as the consequences of that act of using that word. One of them, he said, was termination, and that's what he chose. Right. So there's that. So. Now, as a, as a whole, there is nothing, as best as we can tell anyway, from any of the discussion we've seen or what we've looked at, that there's a, a predetermined standard of decision. Now, as a, as a as You're a, talking about the board. The board. Now, as a lawyer person, okay, so this is sort of an appellate process um, that we're, we're having here. A, a decision was made, sort of a ruling was made, and they're appealing, the teacher is appealing that ruling up to the, the higher, the elected authority, as you will. And, and it does, this doesn't hold in a great way, in a lot of ways. And they ran this process very much like a trial. They had a, an arbiter for like evidentiary conversations. They had rep, everybody they was represented. They ran it like a very, very long trial. Right, sure. Lots of, lots of lawyers involved. Um, yeah, so you people like to talk a lot. It just, well, we get paid by the hour. This is what works. So anyway, uh, all of that was – so it has this – structure this sort of legal-ish or judicial-ish structure on it. But there isn't necessarily, and there wasn't any real conversation there about what is the standard of decision that the board is going to use. So just drawing, there can be some, so depending on how you want to look at this, like did the, you know, are we, you know, are we required, you know, somebody may interpret this as if the superintendent was acting within their authority, we have to back him. Or they could be like that the superintendent made an error of a certain size or in certain ways, and so therefore we can overturn it. So there's like lots of things, but none yeah, of we're that not is sure clear. what the what the standard and to use a teacher term, we're not sure if there's like a rubric, right? <laughs> you and, know that they that they use to right. make their decision. And so that tells me that I mean, in addition to whatever personal background biases, and I don't even mean that in a negative way, but the the personal stuff that people bring into these decisions to come in, you know whatever their political leanings and their, their structural leanings and how they feel about just in general about the use of that word or the context or whatever. In addition to that, they could all come at this from a different standard. And so we just don't know what's going to be the result of this whole process. And, and so just to keep that in mind is like, not only are, is the, you know, the decision going to be clouded behind the thing and who voted which way and, and those sorts of things in that closed session, we're not even going to get it get unless one of the members talks out loud, we're not going to get anything into the like how each individual board member or the board as a collective came to their decision in that process. So it's a little bit of a challenge to kind of discern any of that and what it means and what the standard means. Because I think that, you know, look, no greater critic of the work of the Missouri legislature than me as a functional governmental legislative body. I don't find their work particularly compelling or, or good. Um, and so it's not, I'm, I'm completely unsurprised that there's like a lot of holes to drive trucks through here um, to, to come to these sorts of decisions. So just keep that in mind in terms of a process is like, there are lots of ways, there are lots of ways that I think are legal and justifiable to look at how this is done in the end. 
And it's not clear. Um, you, you mean the thumbs up, thumbs down thing? I mean, is an oversimplified bad joke, but right. But it's a. But it's is that the only decision that the board is the board? Could the board try to make? Because if the decision is the punishment that the superintendent prescribed, or essentially no punishment other than you know quote unquote time served here, you know. There's stuff in the middle, and the superintendent right, said well, I had a palette of options, and I chose, and he really chose the biggest hammer that he could drop. Could would the board come in with a recommendation or something, or is that outside of the board's, you know, policies and standards that they can do? Because they're not really that's not the work that they get into. They don't get into the the particulars of each hiring decision or promotional decision or any of these sorts of things or individual teacher or student discipline. That's what they hire. That's what they hired for. the superintendent to do. So you could look at this, and I, I think there's some ways. I mean, so like a board member could come in and go make a decision. I'm like, I'm going to choose to, in this instance, support the, you know, there's enough out here, but I'm going to choose to support what the superintendent does. That's one way to come at that or whether or not to do that. There is certainly some way to look at this in terms of, you know, what do we message are we sending to our teachers, right? Are we supporting the union and the and the rights of the teachers as, as collectively bargained employees? And and do we think that this was too much in the circumstance that we have? So you have that. You could look at this from a a lens of the equity work and the support for students of color and things of that nature to where we're drawing this bright line to protect those students. You could say it that way without even really breaking into the in, some of the insights. So there's just those three ways that the way the you you know well, two and then, dummies came up with like ways to look at this decision. Well, and and then there's the 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 fourth one you know from our list that when we were talking before before we hit record was more from a perspective of the case that the defense was building that this is we you have to look at this from a, from a specific context of that moment in time right. and what the teacher was doing and why the teacher used that word because really. There's no denying anywhere of use of, of, of the word. And their case was all about context. So a board member could come that where, hey, in this particular instance, based on what we know. But really what I want to look at now, Jason, I kind of want to shift it a little bit, is what we think is going to be an either-or decision, right? And I have been unable to kind of really get an answer of the, the breadth of what the board can decide, what does what does a decision of the board mean, right? So what happens if the board upholds? What happens if the board reinstates? Right. And how does that affect what's happening in the district and going forward? Okay, so I think there's a couple of uh, – two things. I think – so if the board – so what the, the, the superintendent said and what he has done essentially is he has drawn this line in the sand, this, this bright line rule that essentially thou shalt not say the N-word is essentially what the rule is. It's And it's vaguer than that, but let's go with that kind of. So it's like a very bright line. His testimony was basically saying that. Where his, his stance was going to be never, never, never right. utter this word in front of a student. Right. It's, and it's essentially context independent, and that's the rule. The, the uttering of the word by a white person in the presence of a student, especially by a white person in the presence of a student, is per se unacceptable, and we're just not going to have it, which is a standard that it's probably – you know, at least it's not per se unreasonable, and it's a, that's the standard. So if the school board comes in and says, we uphold the decision, they have essentially made clear policy right? in their, in this decision. Not, not, it's not like created a policy or what have you, but they have now said, they have said, this is the bright line rule that we're going to choose to follow. 
Um, a policy of precedent. And it is clear for every other teacher and a person in the d- employee of the district that that's a, there's a line you cannot cross. And if they come in and they say, because most likely the nature of the conversation and the background behind the conversation is not going to be public um, in the in the way, if they come back and they say, we reinstate the teacher, then those questions are all very, very open. What contexts matter? When does the context matter? Is context matter at all? Are we just free to use that word when we want to, right? I mean, I, I, clearly that's not the answer, but I mean, that's, they're, they're, it opens these things. And I'm not necessarily advocating for creating that clarity at this particular moment, but I think I say, if the question is, there are contexts that matter and there are contexts that don't matter, or contexts that matter and contexts in which it's okay to utter the phrase, then it's incumbent on the board to make that clear in terms of district policy yeah, going I, forward. I, 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 I think what you're saying, I might be putting words in your mouth here, but I think what you're saying is much of the conversation ends if the board upholds the decision of the superintendent. Right. You may not like if, the decision, but at least we understand. At least we understand. If the, if the board's decision is to reinstate, I think what, that me- what you're saying is what that means is we're going to have this conversation some more. And as came out during that, during that hearing was, you know, there's a constant review of, of board policies that go in sections. Um, that, that's probably going to be a thing. And, and the, you know, the defense of, of Coach Joe Oswald, one of the big things they, they said was, there's not a policy that specifically talks about this word and the use. When you say racial slur, it doesn't define, clearly define what that is. So, my guess is this conversation will just continue on and we'll see – we will likely see discussions at the board level mm-hmm. about defining uses of racial slurs and and talking about defining context, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we have so, to have that. And so in, in a way, you know, to bring the political proxy fight back in for a minute, just to say this. So, so for many people, there has obviously been an increased – volume of people. And we talked about this last week at the, the board, um, when the public comments where we, we got Nazi references as well as this and this, but clearly there's some, there's been increased conversation around talking about race in the way that the national media is driving it at the moment. A decision to reverse the superintendent's termination decision, you know, that, that outcome is going to essentially force the conversation on us going forward in a way that the other decision won't. So it's just something that we need to pay attention to as we're dealing with. And I, it's, but it doesn't solve, like you may get this one outcome that you may be personally in favor of um, in one direction or another, but it does not answer the bigger questions that we're, we're trying to deal with here. Right. And I think, I think this is one of those times when we shouldn't use a specific I don't want to say the word case, but a specific thing of the moment to try to get to the bigger, broader things. Right. I think sometimes you just have to focus on this one thing. And this is right. This is this is about one teacher, administration's decision, and then what the board decides to do, whether or not to to, to uphold. Right. And and, a lot and I don't think I don't think that the the yay or nay decision from the board really has anything to do with some of the bigger conversations we're having in the school district and around the community and school district about their equity mission, about the training and the com- those conversations about race that we're having. I really don't think there is 
this you know overarching link but i think we try a lot as oh yeah people everything has to be about whatever team i'm on and the win lose and all that and stuff i think this is one of those times where it would be good and more healthy for us to not try to make it that right it's really I, honestly if you really want to break it down to the one thing it probably says more than anything else because look a district has committed repeatedly now for a number of years to having the conversation about this, right? The the context of, and as the most simple question that you, I mean, simplified question of all this is when and where is it okay for a white person to utter the N-word, right? That's a question that is the equity conversation that we're having in the district and the equity plan is going to help answer, right? So that the people who might be able to or might not be able to say it, understand the impact of the word and how it works through and all that. That's like literally what that's doing as part of the process. So we're already having that conversation and it will continue regardless of the bright line that is or isn't drawn here. The, the, the secondary question here is, this is yet another example. Now in, you know, Dr. Buck's been on board for what? A year. Over a year. Right. Oh, no, because July 1. Yeah, we're just hitting a year. Yeah, we're just hitting a year. So he's been on board for a year. And there are now at least two significant decisions, if this comes out, that they reinstate the teacher, where the board has chosen not to follow the recommendations of the administration. Well, first off, can we just say that COVID year counts as two years? It feels like it counts Because I, like couldn't, I couldn't remember like, when he came on. It's like dog year, really. <laughs> it was like dog year. So it's like seven. So I mean, point but, being but, is but this, you're right. I think, you know, when – during the back go back to school reopen schools conversation right there was there was a moment what you were saying there there was a moment where dr buck and his staff presented a couple of options and the board said yeah we've got a after discussion we have a third one this is what we're going to do right and that is here's here's my worry with this also if you're going to take a broader view of what this decision means for the district we are right back to another place for the third consecutive superintendent to another place where it looks like superintendent and school board may not be on the same page. Right, which I think at a certain point we have to say, and and this is clear. And they don't always have to be on the same page. Right. But this is a trend over multiple boards and multiple superintendents. Like, there's nobody on the board who fired David McGahee except for maybe Kim Fritchie. I'm trying to remember the timeline on that. Right? I, I mean, so it this it's long enough ago that the board is essentially fully turned over. We've gone through a superintendent in the middle, and we don't need to rehash what a uh, colossal mess of, of uh, conflict between the board and the super, the Carpenter administration was. And and we're creeping back into some of these things at this point. Now, not necessarily. The board may come out and vote, and who knows, maybe it's 7 nothing or in favor of supporting the administration in this, this rule that he has set and this bright line that he is putting out there. We don't know. But it's yet another opportunity for this to be. And in the bigger picture of like how the school district operates and what the impact of things are, the relationship between the school board and the superintendent is probably the most like actual central thing that we need to deal with more so than we need to deal with the contextual hermeneutics of when one can utter a racial slur or not. Um, you know, and I mean, in my book, the answer to that is just don't and you save yourself a lot of trouble. But I mean, but that's realistically, we're not the, the conversation shouldn't be about when is it OK for a coach to repeat a, a word that they would never be able to use in polite conversation. And when it's not, that's not the conversation we're having. Really, what we're talking about is, you know, this ongoing relationship between 
the the school board who are the public representatives and the administration via that they hired to be CEO that they hired to be CEO of. So this is that question. And in the end, that's kind of where we're getting into. That's the tension that we're going to be dealing with. And look, D- David Buck's a professional. He's going to follow. I mean, when the dis- the board decided to go their own unique way on the uh, back to school process, he said, okay. And he did it. And, and he, he made it happen. And he executed on it. And it seemed to go fairly well with a, a relative minimum number of, of new COVID cases, comparatively anyway, to, to where it could have been. And they did the things and they've gotten, we got through another, we got through this, the COVID year with, you know, mostly intact and, and things are in pretty good stead. So that's all good. And he did the job and what have you. And, and once again, I'm sure that once again, as a professional, He's going to, whatever this decision is, he's going to move forward with, and they'll, they'll go forward with that. But those are, that's that. Yeah, I think if you're, if you're going to make a, if you're going to make a connection, a bigger picture connection from this case to something else, Mm -hmm. that's the one I really think is most important to watch is that relationship between the board and the person they hire to execute the district's mission. Right. And maybe what, as a follow up here, do they, do they put out a more clear policy? I think that's what we're gonna we're gonna see happen. I I think it has to happen. Well, but there's, Look, if, if there's a lot of pieces it, to that because there are is... a lot of pieces. But if, if 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 much of the particular case discussion is about what is written as policy, you have to have policy discussion immediately after this decision. Right. I I just and, and I think look if if whether the decision is you know this way or that way, that's the thing the people. The voters ought to demand is okay. Now let's have this board have that policy discussion, right? And put it out there on the table because then we can actually have a conversation about the policy and not the teacher, right? right. That's the and and that's the color because this teacher is clearly given the fourteen uh, witnesses, I think, or thirteen or fourteen witnesses that he had, the hours and hours of testimony that were put forth in in support of the teacher as and and. Even taking all of those things at absolute face value as truth, what that tells me is that this is that this conversation is is hard to separate from the individual or the individual moment and exactly. not about the bigger thing. And so the board, it's incumbent on the board and the administration at the end of this, regardless of outcome, to actually have the bigger conversation in a public facing way that people can have input on at that level. Because I think that's a that's a different conversation and it and it you remove a lot of the the personal heat from the moment. Well, and I think here we go. I'm gonna tie it back to our favorite thing, Jason. So look, in the spring is another election. And as we do every year, we will have some seats available that will be up for either re-election or open. These are things you should be asking candidates, right? Are you going to have this conversation about policy? Where do you stand? Do you think the policy you, was adopted you, is do you good? Think, do, you think the, do you think the policy as it stands is, is clear? Do you think it needs to be adjusted or written specifically? Does, does a particular word... Does that word need to be in writing? Do not use it. And I think those are the, those are the things that, as voters, we should all be asking of candidates, of sitting elected officials. And I think that's that's kind of where I want to bring it back to, to how do we stay involved and have have the good conversations out of this? Because really, we're not involved in this one particular case. Yeah, that's it's, yeah, a, it's about a person. 
you know, a teacher, a student in a moment in time. Right. And that's, and that is, and there's just so much more in there that gets in there that it gets, it gets heated and very personal and very, I'm saying in a way that this conversation actually needs to be at that, not the 30,000, but that higher level where we can have the conversation not removed from the consequences. Cause here we have the consequences laid bare, right? People lose their jobs. Students get upset. Things happen in these sorts of processes. Administrators have to go and make decisions and then be called out on the public carpet about it. And all these things come about, you know, but you can get up from that understanding what the consequences are now about our decisions and make a broader case decision to maybe help smooth the process going forward, create clarity for our, for the employees of the district, create some, some bounds um, for the superintendent and maybe even some, some uh, standards of review to borrow another legal phrase for the board of education when they get to the points where they have to make these, these appeals decisions. Right. So there we go. That's our that's our action item for listeners, Jason, is we want people to ask these questions about policy and how they how they think that they will either if elected make or as they're sitting on currently on the board, how they're going to address policy discussions and 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 create the policies that that we need going forward. That's how that's how we can be involved. I've got one last note, Jason. I'm just going to make this this is going to be an open request of of the school district. It's going to go back to procedure and process. When you have a public hearing and you stream it out, save the recording, make it available to everybody. It's just a good decision. Uh, amen. That's going to wrap us up for this week. We'll talk to everybody next time. Have a fantastic Independence Day weekend. We'll see everybody on Monday.